Mr. Potato Head goes gender neutral. Coca-Cola is giving insane training to its employees. Some characters on The Bachelor, the TV show, are fired. Amazon is banning books. Something is in the air. Let's talk about it on this week's Corey Act Show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be recognize I am given to bombast. However, I am bombastic usually after setting some things up, drawing some balance, trying to give some firm footing on which that bombast is set. And I want to be careful today in building this case, building this argument for a couple reasons. Number one, there is always reason to hope. We are not a people who are hope. Less. We live in an incredible time in human history, and coming from a particularly biblical worldview perspective, there is no reason to despair. I am, however, going to spend a lot of time today telling you things that might make you seethe. Your heart rate might quicken. Your blood might boil. You might get quite annoyed. Not necessarily at me, but the content I have to share, and I want to get to something deep and abiding underneath it. I think I've prepared it for you. And we'll get ready to do that here in just a minute. First, my name is Corey Truax. I get to serve as the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets in Greenville on Sunday mornings at 1030. You are invited. We are in the midst of an incredible series on the book of Revelation. I will be starting back in the middle of March, our Gospel of Mark series. And so if you are without a church home, we'd love to see you out there at 1030 Sunday mornings at Beachwood Church. By the way, you can also find those sermons in the book of Revelation on Anchor. You can find my series when it comes back up on Anchor or wherever you find my podcast. We are dedicated to smarter, deeper, and better talk here on the Corey Truax Show on WHRT 89.7 and wherever you find podcasts. And I think we're going to get to that smarter, deeper, better talk today. It's just going to take some lifting. So let's get started. The bombastic thing that I could say to start is wokeism the ideology of wokeism that is on the left, to be clear, that does not include all of liberalism. It doesn't include every Democrat you know. It doesn't include every liberal you know. It is a subset of leftism that is the woke. It is poisoning everything. It's destroying everything it touches. And right now, even though it is a it is a minority of the United States of America's population. Its power, its influence is starting to be pervasive. It is the milieu that is making up the culture. I mentioned, I promise I'm bringing all this around. Stick with me. I'm not running rabbits. This is a, a, this is a th- all these are threads that have to come together. So we have this leftist, wokest religion that is becoming the, the air we breathe. We're swimming in it. It's the water that makes up the culture. I mentioned months ago, I started to reassess my own theology of the Holy Spirit. I think it's called pneumatology is the technical term. And as, as we've gone through the book of Revelation, as I continue to get ready for the Gospel of Mark, I, I just recognize in my cold conservative, I don't mean theologically conservative, my cold theologically conservative heart, in my natural inclination against anything supernatural, it has caused me to not see 
the spiritual reality behind the physical world. I look at the book of Revelation and I, I see these bowls and seals broken. I see judgments being poured out and everything is so cosmic. There is a Father God, there is one on the throne who is allowing judgments to be poured out, causing judgments to be poured out. And it all, we all know it, whether you think it's, it is stuff to come or if it's stuff happening right now or if you think the book of Revelation is things, it, it's describing events that have taken place in history. They're all very physical. It, it sounds in the book all esoteric, but it is actual famine and earthquake and tumult and war. These are physical things that have been destroying humankind forever. And you peek into that book of Revelation and start to see all of the causes of these things. There, there's a spiritual battle in the heavenlies. There is a, a thing in the unseen realm going on that I cannot see. And listen, guys, do you know how uncomfortable that makes me to talk about? I feel like I was such a weirdo saying it. I feel like a psychopath talking about an unseen realm. But I, I will submit myself to the scriptures. And that is what we're seeing described. This, when we see this idea that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air, there is demonic evil spirits that infect the thinking of humanity all around the world and throughout history. We just happen to be living in this one iteration of it. We're living in the wokest pagan religion at the moment. But I so need, and we so need to look behind it. Yeah, we can get annoyed about Disney putting a a warning on the Muppet show because it could be offensive putting warnings on things like Dumbo because there are some ethnicities that are stereotypically depicted in the movie. We get annoyed. We laugh at Mr. Potato Head going gender neutral. There's some things that are just dumb. That's true. Then we start to see some serious things and then we, maybe we do get our blood starts to boil. Our hearts do race. We find it not just dumb or stupid, but start to think it's a little dangerous, poisonous, divisive. That you can't work at Coca-Cola without being told to be less white. That Oreo finds it a necessity. They are they they seem to be as a company Nabisco. I think is who's behind them. So fearful that they just have to tweet transgender people exist because there was pressure on them to do so. That's, that's not even a government. That's just, that's a corporation. That's an entity feeling the pressure of the culture. No one makes them do it, but they know if we don't acquiesce to this religion, if we don't say their proper shibboleths, you can Google that if you want. I don't have time to go into it, but say their shibboleths. What if they try to get us? What if they try to destroy us? There's fear. It's, it's not just the funny things to mock. We, we look at this situation with, with The Bachelor, if you hadn't heard, the two people lambasted, painted as racists who weren't, weren't, did nothing racist. One one young lady who went to a a party, antebellum themed, war, war antebellum before the Civil War, that's what antebellum means, before the war, type of dress. She's competing on The Bachelor to date a black man. He chooses her 
but she is painted as as an absolute racist because she went to that event and wore that dress. The coward of a man who chose her, finding that he could find some notoriety because, so that he could be included in the woke religion, the woke church, so that he would not be excommunicated, that the broad culture would accept him, throws that girl under the bus. They fire another person, part of The Bachelor, for defending her. I start to see the fact that Amazon takes a book called When Harry Became Sally, using really logical scientific and social science, both things, science and social science, to at least ask the question of this transgender madness that's only come in less than last less less than the last decade. Consider that for a moment. A decade ago, transgenderism was still thought of as a dysmorphia. It, it was something to treat the mind, not the body. And it, it happened so fast that not only are are you to be kind and tolerant of everybody, but to absolutely affirm everyone's gender gender norm, whether that is, uh, even if that is, I can be a man or a woman uh, changing hour to hour. Who knows what I am? I could be one of any literally myriad of things. And I was about to say one of a hundred things or one of a thousand things, but knowing even with this wokest demonic, behind the wokeism is demonism, this demonic worldview, they would say to me, how dare you limit the genders to 1,000? There is no limit to the gender identity of a person. Amazon banning the book of the guy that's just responding to it, asking some really totally fair questions about how we handle this as a culture. It's brand new. It's a brand new phenomenon, and we haven't asked enough questions of it, especially how we deal with kids and transgenderism. I see two politicians writing a letter to AT&T saying, why do you let the, this kind of content, and by, by kind of content, I just mean stuff that people that don't agree with them ideologically would maybe want to consume. Why, why, why do you let them on? Maybe there should be some punishments for Comcast, for Verizon, for AT&T, for not letting the right voices speak and not quieting the wrong voices. And guys, listen, I, only, the, I brought up the government only in the last one of those. That's not the government doing anything. It's not technically an abridgment of anyone's freedom of speech or association or religion. That's a culture feeling the pressure of an insurgent religion. That it's, it's coming for you. And if you won't convert, they try to destroy you. And so then I get a little angry. My hackles get up against that. And then I know what I'm looking at. I wrestle not against this flesh and blood. I, I say all of this knowing, yeah, I could create in you angst and anger. I don't want to do that. I could create in you this self-righteous indignation against these maddening fools. I don't want to. What is needed is the gospel and repentance. We have, I guess you could say, enemies, but they don't have to be. These folks have set up the God of the universe as their enemy, and they will be judged. One thing, another thing I've gotten out of Revelation, justice is coming. For every ideology and every idea, purveyor of it, 
that, that, is, that has put these ideas forward that hurt people, they will be judged in eternity for what they have done unless they turn, repent, follow after Christ. And I start with that bombast. Wokeism is destroying everything it touches. It's going to, it's trying to, it is, it is by its nature destructive. That's actually one of the tenets of one of its sub subthinking patterns, the subthinking pattern of critical theory. Some people put critical race theory in there. But one of its tenets is deconstructionism. All the systems and structures and institutions are endemically, they're naturally either racist or unfair, unjust. And so by our by the actual tent of our goal in wokeism, we want to tear them down, destroy the system. If that system is the U.S. government, tear it down. If it is Coca-Cola, tear it down. If it's Amazon, if it's Oreo, if it's Nabisco, if it's Mr. Potato Head and The Bachelor, tear it all down. The nature of wokeism is destruction. And we can look at it and recognize it is trying to destroy everything and we can get mad at it. Or I want to tend towards seeing what's actually happening. There's a spiritual battle before us. Prayer, the gospel, Holy Spirit. These are our weapons or our tools. I have a very specific story I want to get into about this when we come back. There is a Smith College story. I know you've probably all heard it. But this one gets into the to the racial aspect of this. But I'm start, Guys, I'm, I'm starting to feel it. It's heavy on me. We, we live in a pagan moment. We're, we're post-Christian. There was a time I grew up in that was, I guess, post-modern, where it, it was truly trying to be pluralist. It was saying there is no truth. You remember that? We, if you grew up in church, you remembered that little syllogism we all used. We were the, the culture at large saying, well, you make your own truth. You, you, you create your own truth. And we would respond cleverly, I think, I guess, but we would say, uh, because they were saying, you make your own truth, there is no absolute truth, we say back, well, that's an absolute truth statement. Is it, is it absolutely true that there is no truth? See, you have a self-defeating statement. But guys, we're past that. We're not postmodern anymore. We're post-Christian. We don't have a dominant secular culture that is saying there is no truth. They are saying they have it, they know it, they're the only ones that know it, and unless you convert to it, they will destroy you. We are no longer looking at postmodernism. We're looking at a cultic religion. And listen to me, I'm not sorry for saying it. It's satanic. And you, me, in our flesh and blood, in our careful arguments, our clever, witty statements, our little tweets and Facebook posts, we are no match for that devil. But we have the power of the maker of the universe in us and the Holy Spirit. And if we go out strategically trying to address these things ourselves, we will fail and we will be routed. And I'm starting to feel it's heavy on me. I think in part because, yeah, okay, I'll go long and get a little personal. I have, I have two, two boys starting college in August. They're nephews, but if you know me for a long time, you know they feel like my own. In some ways. 
And my, one of my, my best friends I mentioned recently lost his father. I know that that's some of my best friends, my closest friends around Beachwood Church. We, we have parents that are heading towards that age. And so I start thinking about the world I'm living in and where it's headed, where I see the horizon in the West. And I think about my two boys. They're 15 years from being my age, 20 years from being my age. What's that world going to look like? Man, I want it to be better than this one. It makes me want to get to work on the real problem. And it's not the liberals and the Democrats. There's a spiritual thing happening here. And we'll get into it with some more depth when you come back. Thanks for listening to The Corey Truax Show on his radio talk 89.7 and wherever you find podcasts. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to The Corey Truax Show on his radio talk 89.7 and wherever you find fine podcasts. You can connect to me, your host, Corey Truax, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Look for me, Corey Truax. You will find me there. I hope that you will. You can also support the show as more of you are doing now at anchor.fm. Anchor.fm. You can find The Corey Truax Show. Become a monthly monthly supporter. You ask, uh, what do I get for that? warm and fuzzy feelings. That is your reward for such a thing. Now, I know I was heavy there in the first segment, and I will continue to be as I just continue to look out at the world around me and knowing it. there is a, a dominant religion right now called wokeism, and it's destroying everything it's touching. And I find myself being less and less angry and more and more determined to fight the battle behind the battle that there's a spiritual thing happening here. As I have prepared for my next run here in the Gospel of Mark, there is there is this undertone that Mark is trying to bring out as Jesus just continues to go around and heal. It, it isn't just Jesus doing nice things for people. He is demonstrating a recreation that there is... A fallen world, a broken world where disease and strife come from. Sin caused it. Demonism caused it. Temptation caused it. And Jesus comes along to start recreating the world, the, uh, doing away with those consequences and then forgiving sin. He's There's a, a eventually a culmination of the recreation that we get at the end of all time, but it's calling on us. It's an invitation on us, especially the believer, to look behind headlines, look behind movements, and see that there are spiritual realities there. And so I want to illustrate that for you a little further right now. There's a long story in the New York Times. I think it's worth you reading. It's on the free side of the site. It won't cost you anything to go read the story. It is about Smith College. Smith College is one of those swanky northeastern private colleges. The title of the story, if you want it, is Inside a Battle Over Race, Class, and Power at Smith College. The subtitle, I think is a good little way to get it started, is A student said she was racially profiled while eating in a college dorm. An an investigation found no evidence of bias, but the incident will not fade away. So the incident was back in 2018. Let me just give you the facts of the case. Then I pulled some uh, highlights, if you want to call it that, some some key parts of the story that I want to read to you. Uh, it's by Michael Powell. Here we go. This student, 
she she has a name that I can't pronounce, and I, I don't want to at, at all sound like I could be at all insulting by mispronouncing her name, so I'm just going to call her the student. The student was, uh, over the summer, staying on campus. There were summer campers on campus for some things going on on that college campus, Smith College. And she took her lunch into a dorm common area, like the lobby of a dorm, that was closed, a place where she wasn't supposed to be, technically. And so a security person saw a person in a place they weren't supposed to be. And it was an older, uh, an older person, a security guard. Their apparent, their apparently their policy is not to confront anyone you're not familiar with by yourself. So there's another call made. Security officer comes over and recognizes the girl, and leaves her be. Lets her stay in the place where she's not supposed to to eat her lunch. She goes on Facebook that night. Again, this is back in 2018, and says that she was the victim of racial profiling. If if I remember correctly, let me see if I pull this. She said that the officer had been carrying a lethal weapon. By the way, later we find that Smith College officers, none of them carry weapons, so she just made that up. Uh, she, She wrote in that pattern, excuse me, in that post, all I did was be black. Not, not true, young lady. You were, you were somewhere you weren't supposed to be. She continuing on with her quote, it's outrageous that some people question my being at Smith College. No one did that. Someone questioned whether or not you were supposed to be in the area that you were. And some questioned my existence, this is back to her quote, and some questioned my existence overall as a woman of color. color. None of that happened. Guys, listen to me. I'm not mad at her. Here's what I'm saying. This religion, this cult of wokeism has infected her mind. She only knows this pattern of thinking. It's been so instilled in her. You are a victim of this culture. You are hated, despised, discriminated against. You have no hope, despite the fact that you're at a very prestigious, well, not very, but a prestigious college in the Northeast, and you... All, all, all someone did was question if you were supposed to be where you were where you were at that time. And it became a question of your race. Literally, no one brought it up but you. When the call came through from the one officer, he didn't say, I've got a black girl here. She also com- complains later that she was misgendered, that the one of them thought it was a guy. Uh, she was apparently seated next to some giant teddy bear, made the whole thing quite hard to see. We find out later the 60-year-old security guard has not got great eyesight. And so uh, she just paints him. She just knows. Absolutely, this is a racist thing. But are we mad at her? Well, wait. That's all she's told. She's a 20-year-old girl. She lives in the milieu of a culture that just says, all you will ever be here is a victim and you have no hope. Everyone is looking to destroy you. And she's even using the language that is, is cultic language because it doesn't actually comport itself to the English language. Things like, my, my existence as a woman of color is being questioned. Because someone asked if you should be eating what you were eating. I think you have jumped the shark. I mean, it wasn't even close. Like, you went flying over that thing. But you could start to see on this campus, in public, this is a private university, but secular college campuses, you want to talk about demonic places where there is no Christian thinking, no biblical thinking, there's nothing there to even respond to her. All she is being taught is the wokest religion. 
In that New York Times story, they do admit, though, about a third of the way down, reading to you now from the story, they, they say that the, the big kerfuffle there on campus was a very big deal, made some national news, it was supposed to be this racist flashpoint, and then to the story, New York Times writes, less attention was paid three months later when a law firm hired by Smith College to investigate the episode found no persuasive evidence of bias. The student was determined to have eaten in a deserted dorm that had been closed for the summer. The janitor had been encouraged to notify security if he saw unauthorized people in there. The officer, like all campus police, was unarmed. So you hire the outside firm. They do the investigation. By the way, there's, uh, there's motivation to find racism. You know how hard it is to say, we, we studied it, we investigated it, and found no racism. That's a hard thing to say. There's, there could be consequences against that group. So... We have this investigation. There's a determination made. No one actually did anything wrong. This girl threw a temper tantrum that was not founded on any facts because she has been infected by occultic thinking. And I can, I can barely blame her, but she, she's wrong about the incident. But then to the story from the New York Times, but Smith College officials emphasized reconciliation and healing after the incident. And they announced... Uh, He says here, a raft of anti-bias training. I guess that's just a lot. A lot of anti-bias training for the entire staff. So a totally non-racist thing happened. But to respond to the fear of the woke cult coming for you, they install a bunch of sensitivity training around, and I'm I'm sure it's the woke people. A woke student lied, or at least misunderstood what happened to her, and now everyone must go through the indoctrination of wokeism because, again, wokeism is it's, it's pervasive, it's aggressive, it, it's not pluralistic. Remember, that used to be a thing in the American system. We were for pluralism, lots of different people being able to coexist. They are not for that. The coexist sticker is not a leftist thing. There can be no coexistence. There can only be dominance and control and destruction until they get all they want. And again, I don't think it's a lot of Americans. I think it's 10 or 15, maybe 15, 20% of Americans. But right now, it is ruling the roost. It has everyone scared, and it's worth understanding it and then responding to it properly, knowing that this is demonic thinking, and we got to respond with heavenly thinking. It cannot be a political argument. Back to the story from the New York Times. They say, This is a tale of how race, class, and power collided at an elite liberal arts college where tuition, room, and board are over $78,000 and where employees who keep the school running often come from working class enclaves beyond the school's elegant gates. Now, this, this sentence, when I read it, sent a jolt through me. I need you to get it with me. This is so indicative of where we are with the culture. The story highlights the tensions between a student's deeply felt sense of personal truth and the facts that are at odds with it. You get it? This story highlights the tensions between a student's deeply felt personal truth and the facts that are at odds with it. What should happen in that world when facts are at odds with your feelings... Your feelings are now invalidated. You were wrong, young lady. I understand there's the disadvantage of this culture telling you everything it's told you, that the religion you are practicing has lied to you so effectively. But 
we have now in this religion, it is, quote, her personal truth. And her personal truth is now the overarching truth. It, we are all supposed to bow to it in wokeism. I will try to go a little faster to finish this up. Ultimately, several people are fired just because they were involved in that incident. Eventually, a woman named... Uh, I can't find her name now. I think it's Blair... No, there we go. It is. I'm now going back to the story. Uh, Jody Shaw. Jody Shaw quit her job. She was a Smith, a Smith College alum. She worked there in the residence life office. She quit. She did a YouTube video. It's very powerful, about nine minutes long. And she says, uh, "Quote: Stop demanding that I admit to." Oh, I should read the whole thing. Here we go. Jody Shaw has attracted a, fer- a fervent YouTube following by decrying what she sees as the college's insistence that its white employees, through anti-bias training, accept the theory of structural racism. Quote, Stop demanding that I admit to white privilege and work on my so-called implicit bias as a condition of my continued employment. This is so important. What they start tr- training people in, and guys, what might be coming to your workplace. We already saw it some with Coca-Cola with that insane training that actually said to people, try to be less white. Which, what happened there at Smith College is classes that you got to go through for your job. You just came to work that day and wanted to work. Just want to make a living for your family. Want to be able to pay the mortgage, pay the bills. And when you come to work, they are demanding for you to continue now. You will say you have white privilege. You will say there is structural endemic racism in this country. You will, you will admit to your implicit bias that you are biased against black people. You will admit your own racism if you want to keep working here. You will say our doctrine. You will say our creed. Listen, I use religious language for a reason. At Beachwood every Sunday, we say a creed. We call it the Beachwood Creed. I'm not going to say the whole thing here, but it starts with, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. We go on with this amalgamation of other ancient creeds and all of us of our own volition by the grace of God make that creed together. It's one of my favorite things every week to hear other people's voices affirming the things that we believe together. Wokeism does not find any joy in hearing those voices voluntarily coming together. They find joy in controlling it. You will say our doctrine. We demand it of you or you will not work here. You will not be able to take care of your family. Guys, listen, we, we, as we obsess over governments, as we obsess over laws, there is a culture doing the things that you are scared of the government doing. Again, this Revelation series has been, a, it's been formative for me that we've been doing at Beachwood Church. I've said on the show before, and so I don't mind saying it now. I might make some, make some of you angry, but I don't think there's such thing as a mark of the beast. There is no 666. There's no chip anybody's getting. That's not how this works. The, the mark of being part of the other kingdom, the kingdom against the kingdom of God, is being marked by its values, marked by its creeds, marked by its doctrines. You know a mark of the beast? Following after this philosophy. The beast being the systems, the powers, the paganism of this world. And this paganism is demanding you say its doctrine. And that will mark you. And the, the, the claim of revelation there is you don't get to work. You don't get to trade. You don't get to actually 
do commerce in your culture unless you will be marked by the beast. Marked by its beliefs and its systems and its power. As we worry about governments, there's something else happening here. And should you, should you respond by becoming a prepper? Buy a bunch of land, move out to the middle of nowhere? Get a bunch of rice and beans together? Start a farm? Buy some generators, start loading up gasoline? Is that what you should do? Get some ammo? I don't know, guys. That's not where I'm going. I look back over a, a long history of brothers and sisters in the Lord in pagan places where the beast is ruling and we stay strong. We continue the message. And we take care of our families. We trust in the Lord for our provision. We don't count on comforts because they will go. They'll leave. And we look towards the mission before us so we can get angry. You have that option. Or we can get resolute. And that is what I choose. When we come back, I have another story similar to this. One of the most obnoxious women I've ever heard on a video. I want to respond to it. We'll try to do some other things too. When you come back for the rest of the Corey Truex Show on his radio talk 89.7 and wherever you find podcasts. The vast majority of my listenership is here in South Carolina, or at least in the Southeast, and those few of you who listen so faithfully from around the country, and then at least one or two from around the world, thank you. But believe it or not, if you if you are from those farther, farther away places, guys, we've been in school all year. Schools are open. We're rolling. We started, I think, in August with a modified schedule in a lot of places where it was a couple days a week, that kind of thing. But we have been four months now, fairly normal. People are teaching. We're just going to school here. And we haven't had a mass COVID consequence to that as compared to the rest of the country. And I want to play for you a story that has to do with that here in a second. First, welcome back to the Corey Truax Show on his radio talk 89.7 and wherever you find podcasts. You can reach me, Corey Truax at Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. If you have comments or you can direct message on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Guys, I have a troll on Twitter. I, I, don't, I don't know who he is. He's obsessed with me. Uh, I almost I, I ignore trolls. I don't give them any response because it just encourages them. And he obviously listens because he'll respond to things that I say. And so he's probably listening right now because he's some kind of psychopath who's obsessed with me. And I would love to send him the gif that says, uh, I think it's from Mean Girls, the movie Mean Girls, Lindsay Lohan did, and uh, I think that's Rachel McAdams or Amy Adams, something like that, uh, that just says, why are you so obsessed with me? But that would be giving something to the troll, and I don't want to do that. Um, I also have another troll who private messages me a lot. I just stopped reading them. Um, but gosh, it's so obnoxious. And consider what would happen if I actually got any bigger than the couple thousand or so folks that listen. Ah, trolls, man. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Lord help me. Okay, I got to get to work here. Um, the schools being open. They should be. All the science says they should be. There is absolutely no good reason that schools should be closed. There is no evidence that they've been any kind of vector for increased transmission. It is clear that teachers' unions just want to get paid to do nothing. A lot of teachers want to get back to work. The unions have gotten in the way. What I want to play for you now is from a school district east of San Diego, California, where they're trying to get back to school. This goes to the theme of our day. Remember, 
We now have a small group, but very effective, pervasive group in the culture called Wokus. They're a religion. They're a cult. They don't believe in pluralism or coexistence. They believe they are the ones with the truth. It's very Gnostic. That's a biblical word. A group of the Gnostics, they, they thought they had the secret knowledge and only they knew what the truth was. Wokists believe that. They're the only ones who can see true reality and everyone else is seeing through a prism of their privilege or their experience. But the Wokists, they are the only ones with real knowledge and real truth. You're going to see some of that here from an absolutely obnoxious woman. Just the kind of person that I would snidely sometimes say, I bet she's fun at parties, but she would not be. Not even a little bit. I don't even think the sarcasm meets the meets the moment for how obnoxious this woman is. And it will become clear as you hear her. She's been infected by wokeism. It, uh, it, it'll, it'll come through. I got to get to work here and start playing it or we're not going to get to it. It's all through Zoom. And in the, on this Zoom meeting, someone says a very obviously normal thing that, hey, we've got to get teachers and parents and students like an idea of when they might be able to come back. They need some kind of date of when this could start. And then this lady, and you know what, her, her name's not important. If you want the story, you can email me or Facebook, I, uh, Instagram, Twitter. I'll, I'll send it over to you. But here is this school board member from La Mesa, California. The parents a date. We don't have to give anybody any date. We don't have to do anything that we don't want to do right now. That's what you don't understand. I don't know where you're getting our information or who's telling you that we have to make a decision today, but that is not how this works. We do not. I know that you're new to the school board. I'm not saying this is a slight to you, but we do not have to make a decision today. 70 to 80% of them. So there's a little jump cut right there. So first, in terms of tone, can we agree that the that the, the woman is already just coming out of the coming out of the gates with needless aggression, not my favorite kind of people. Another school board member here responds that they have done some reach out. They've reached out to the school school district, uh, the parents, done some some polling, some mail outs. There's a longer version of this you can watch on the internet. We've done some research and it's between 70 and 80% of the parents are saying we would like school to be meeting again have answered the survey they want to come back to school so this is what we're the 70 to 80 percent and where are they i would like to know geographically from which school sites which language groups and how we conducted this feedback where please give it to me before i can make a decision i can't make one so there's a good little zinger here in a second that i just love but first immediately get that wokest language it doesn't matter that it's 70 or 80 percent it matters who are they are the right groups speaking? Have not not uh, what is objectively true, what's a good idea, what's a bad idea, but are we getting the right representation of the things that are so so important to wokeism, all the little demographics? Because no person is a person. Every person is a group that we talked about last week. You can see where her, her immediate concern is because wokeism has infected her brain. Now, again, she just said, I want all this information. She demands all this information. And without it, she can't make a decision. And I love what another school board member says, because it's exactly what I would have said. I cannot make one. And I will not make one. You're welcome to abstain, I I believe, right? (laughs) I won't make a decision. I refuse to vote. Okay. There's like nine of us on the school board. Abstain. I don't care what you do. Here's how she responded to that. 
There's no reason to be nasty with me, Miss Riley. I didn't, I, by the way, I didn't add in that silence. <laughs> that was so good. I, I demand all this information. I will have it from, from you before I make a decision. You, you know you can abstain, right? In like five seconds of silence. Gosh, I love it when obnoxious people get owned like that. Uh, here's a little jump cut and right back into it. And we can present it for vote. And Charlie, if you wish to vote no, you are more than welcome to. Or you. Can. I know what I'm welcome to do, you guys. I do. And I know that what we're doing is wrong. I love that real quickly. I know what I'm welcome to do. And I know, I know what we're doing is wrong. It's not a difference of opinion. Now, real quickly, real, I do want to say, I live in that world that uh, most things are most things are black, right, white, right, wrong. There's a lot of clarity for a lot of stuff. There's some things that are not. There's an entire biblical category called adiaphria, things where there's, uh, I think it's called the doctrine of disputed things, where you can still be in the family together, but in, in the family of faith, but there's just a just dispute on that kind of stuff. But for, I live in the world she's living in, but this woman because of her wokest ideology, because there isn't different opinions, there's not coexistence and pluralism, these other eight members of the school board are not intelligent people with thoughts that have the, what is the obvious right choice, which is getting kids back to school. Every bit of evidence would suggest that's the case. She just knows, and she gets to declare. She gets to be judge, jury over all of it. I declare what we're doing is wrong. I've said it's wrong, and therefore it is wrong. That is said with the confidence of someone in the woke cult. So how are we forcing people? That seems like a very white supremacist ideology to force people to comply with, you know, and conform. <laughs> Just letting you know. Privilege. Check it, you guys. Again, I, I can't stand having someone try to take authority they don't have. And so she's, she says voting to bring schools back is A, like slavery. I wonder if we should ask a slave from around 1750 in the United States of America. I wonder if we should try to get in touch with one of them and ask if bringing school back is like slavery. You know, I think there'd be an interesting take on that. But then she said, says that's a very white supremacist thing. I'm just letting you know and check your privilege. Oh, you're just letting me know about me? You're telling me about me? Is that what you're doing? Because you got a better insight to me? You've got a better insight to eight other adults and, and their thoughts, their logic? You're the authority now? How does that happen? Only through occultic-like thinking. I've been saying this for two years about wokest leftism. It's religious in nature. It acts religious. And when I, when I say religious, I mean the cultic religions of history. This woman is in a room of Zoom room, of other qualified people who also won elections, she just ha has this attitude of, I'm right, you're wrong, I, and I'm saying all the right things. You're being privileged, white supremacy, slavery, racism. I'm saying all the things, so I win. I'm the authority over you. I'll tell you this, I would not have done well in this interaction because a lot of the stuff I'm saying right now, I would have said right to her. Matt, so I don't want to be a part of forcing anybody to do anything they don't want to do. That's what slavery is. I'm not going to be a part of it. And I identify with that sentiment totally. I, I am such a standoff person when it comes to laws. I don't like anyone being forced to do stuff they don't want to do. I am the, the guy who really does believe that 
the dangerous freedom thing. I would rather have terrifying levels of freedom than a very safe slavery. And so I'm always tend on the side of freedom. But she's also just wrong here. She's objectively wrong. If a school board votes to reopen a school and a teacher decides, I don't want to. I don't want to teach. I don't feel safe. Okay, it's time to find a new job. Because we're moving on. I've got a school district of thousands and thousands of kids. We're, we're moving on with this and getting them back into school because we're depriving them of that learning. It's affecting the lowest achieving. It's affecting the lowest income. It's affecting worse the people who are most vulnerable. We're getting back to school. We're moving now. And if you don't want to teach, all right, time to find a new career until you're, until you're ready to get back in. And so to the school board member, not only are you acting like a child right now with your petulance, your demanding of things, further, you're just wrong. That isn't correct at all. There's a lot more to this video. I'm going to fast forward maybe to the last minute so we can get through it. Even knows, none of you guys even know what we're talking about right now. This seems like a mess. We should not be voting on this tonight. <laughs> you guys don't have all the information that you need. You guys are just saying what you're speaking from your heart, and that's fine. I, I take great offense to the, to the statement that no one on here knows what they're talking about right now. That's the superintendent speaking up. And I, that's part of the offense I was taking as well is your, the authority with which you are speaking because you feel like you're a religious figure. By, by articles of faith, matters of faith, you're speaking over everybody else. This is what the religion does. And I, I, even though I can feel myself, that thing I started at the beginning of the show said I didn't want to do, heart rate getting up, getting angry. I got to see what's behind this woman. Well, a demonic ideology. A demonic, ide- a demonic ideology has dominated her mind and what she needs is the gospel. She needs redemption. She doesn't need me behaving like I just behaved. All right, I think I need to move on. There was a couple other interactions in there, but I only have a few minutes. I, I did want to end here today. It is really clear now about these schools that we got to get them back. The There is a... A political reality here that I guess I should do some political analysis today. I haven't done any. It's it's becoming a real issue for Democrats because it is Democrat states leaving their schools closed. It's Democrats po- pushing for schools to be closed. Republicans are pushing for the for the opposite. If if they were asking me for marketing advice and branding advice, this is this is what I would be saying. Push that right now for parents. This is one of the most popular things out there right now is get my kids back into school. That's what parents want. And I, w- I would make that the, the top, maybe the top uh, agenda item for Republicans when it comes into like midterm elections, go- go- governor elections, gubernatorial is the name for that coming up. It's becoming a political liability is my point for Democrats that they so much want to keep, keep kids out of school. But outside the politics, there's actual children here that are being affected. From the New York Times, this is from uh, Nicholas Kristoff in an opinion editorial. He writes, There's another tragedy we haven't adequately confronted besides COVID, and that's millions of American school children will have missed a year of in-person instruction. The, bl- the blunt fact is that it is Democrats who have presided over one of the worst blows to the education of disadvantaged Americans in history. Here's what the numbers are showing. We have more dropouts, less literacy, less numeracy, which, by the way, I had to look up. I didn't know there was a word for it. Like, when you're illiterate, you can't read. When you're enumerate, you don't know numbers. You can't do math. Uh, here is Here we go. This is the stat I wanted to get to. 
The San Francisco Federal Reserve Bank this month estimated that educational disruptions during the pandemic may increase the number of high school dropouts by 3.8% over the next 10 years. We, while also reducing the number of college-educated workers in the labor force, this will shrink the incomes of Americans. Get this. Average incomes in Americans will either shrink or slow the growth for about 70 years. There's so much consequence to losing one year of education. And we've lost it for a lot of kids. There will be long-term consequences to what we did around schools. And for teachers who are trying to stay out of school, especially if you're young and healthy, there is a moral culpability that you've got to have. Leaders, I know it's hard to lead. I, I don't get to lead a ton of stuff, but I do lead. It's hard. It's hard to make decisions. But if we're going to make decisions for the kids, the right decisions to get back to school should have been a long time ago. I've said this about the schools for a long time. We have too many people who think the, the, the schools are for the teachers. They're not. And if you want a different kind of career that's more fulfilling, make more money, get out. Stop teaching. Do something else. No one's making you be there. But we are always going to choose. I know this is the case for me. I will always choose the kids over the teachers. And their well-being over what is making the, a teacher comfortable. In the last minute here, I want to come back to the core of today's show. There isn't one way for me right now. I'm so encouraged. I got blown away by that thing that we landed on Mars, that we are able to fire off from planet Earth, something that can travel millions of miles, and then we can get it to land in a very specific spot, not just land on Mars, but land on a very specific spot of Mars that we wanted. I'm blown away that I have access to a camera that takes incredibly high-quality pictures of another planet. In one way, we're doing the most incredible things we've ever done. At the same time, I do look around my culture and I see it is post-Christian, it is pagan. It's not secular, it's not an atheist culture. It's a very religious culture. It just has the religion of wokeism right now pervading everything. And listen, it will destroy everything it touches because demonism and demonic thinking does destroy everything it touches. And we, the believer, we are the only ones with a solution. The gospel proclaim, disciples made, and faithfully loving your family, your church, serving those around you. This is the solution. I'm calling you to it. I'll be there with you in it. I'll be back with another new edition of the show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.